Imagine not knowing what your income would be each week. Financial planning would be a nightmare. Almost 90% of Vision's income is free will donations. When supporters commit to monthly giving, it provides greater certainty when budgeting for regular expenses and weighing up new opportunities that arise. Knowing we can rely on regular gifts each month takes some of the guesswork out of operating a faith ministry. Monthly givers who share our mission are called Visionary Extra Mile Partners. And right now, you're invited to join this growing group of faithful supporters. The amount of your tax-deductible monthly gift is completely up to you. What is most important is knowing that you are standing with us to reach Australia for the gospel. Click the banner at vision.org.au or in the Vision app to find out more about becoming a Visionary Extra Mile Partner. It only takes a few minutes, but will have an eternal impact. Vision. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. As you know, the government will soon release its position on the Ruddock Freedom Review. It's the review that was ordered by the Prime Minister as the same-sex marriage legislation passed through the Parliament late last year. Well, concerns have been that there can be no winners from whatever freedom legislation the government may propose. The Centre for Independent Studies has been researching ways to better secure religious freedom in Australia. Robert Forsyth is a CIS senior fellow, the former Anglican Bishop of South Sydney and a long interest in protecting religious freedoms. Uh, Robert Forsyth, a special welcome back to 2020. Nice to be back with you, Neil. Uh, Robert, you have some new research that you are talking about in various sectors. Uh, what is this new Centre for Independent well, Studies research? Well, I, it's, it's really just bringing together our, our own views. Um, although I'm an active Christian, this, the CIS doesn't approach this from that point of view. It's, it's a secular, in the good sense of the word, that is not choosing winners, organisation. But it approaches questions, Neil, from a you might call it a classical liberal view, that is that we, should, we live in a pluralist liberal society in which freedom uh, and pluralism are important. That's, that's just the understanding. And on that view, um, that plurality of religion and protection of religion from interference by the state is an important feature. And so my report, which is called A Test of Maturity, the liberal case for action on, on religious freedom, approaches the issue from that point of view, and, but nonetheless says... That um, although in the past religious freedom has been protected by what you may call common law rights, that which we inherited from Britain, which came across with the settlement, and there are some protections of a minor nature, the growth in anti-discrimination law and the change in the nature of anti-discrimination law suggests that we think as a CIS that there is a place for some federal action to not to add to religious freedom, but to make it more secure. Uh, this is the essence from what I can glean from the things you are talking about. The idea of better securing the existing freedoms of religion rather than trying to reinvent the wheel here, uh, because that has, that's the thing that has all these risks, isn't it? Well, it's risks on both sides. See, one of the points we, I make in the paper is this, the, the, the um, decision and enactment of same-sex marriage legislation is there, and there's no way is my paper or this discussion in any way meant to take that back. This is a given, whether you like it or not, and that's a starting point. 
And so it's, it's not an effort to rerun a kind of proxy debate on same-sex marriage, but rather, given that fact and other facts as well, it's not, that's not the only fact, find a way which does not really deny anybody any freedom they have at the moment, but secures the present situation. So it's strangely, it's doing something, it's not changing anything. If I can give you that very strange way. That's what we think should happen. No side, we're not after more religious freedom, but we want to make sure there's no less religious freedom, nor do we want to take away freedom of people to marry or to press points of view, which may be, from some points of view, contrary to religious views. That's perfectly okay. I've also said in the paper, Neil, I don't think I, that we want to have laws that can make it protect religious leaders, have their voice heard in the public square, or not be ridiculed. This is not the business of government to protect points of view or allow religious voices to have a voice. It's simply saying, let's, let's secure the present liberal society we have from any threat to move the goalposts as a result of some of the changes. What you're suggesting is that religious freedom is not an absolute right, and therefore what you want to protect is everybody's freedom. Sometimes people think of religious freedom as just affecting those Christian spokespeople or church leaders, but you're talking about freedoms for everybody across the whole of society. There's no way the matter could be approached here other than on those terms. It, this mustn't be argued as a partisan, self-interested point of view. That's very unhelpful, it seems to me. And only plays into the hands, by the way, of those who have a very low view of the right of religion regard attempts to call for religious freedom as basically selfish concerns about losing our place or losing their place in society. The second point, Neil, is there's not just Christian religion in this country. There are Buddhists, Sikhs, Hindus, Muslims... Jews, um, a wide plethora of groups, many of whom are different from Christians in that for them, practice is as important as belief. And they also need to protect those organisations, those communities. So it's not, a, it's not just Christian freedom, and it's freedom in balance with other freedoms that people have. But it's got to be limited. I mean, the, the, the contest can't be one size fits all. And uh, the paper's arguing that we need to make sure that the balance is right and secure. That way we can put the issue to bed and get on with our life in, in a pluralist society. Robert, people talk about a shift in our culture and especially when it comes to the way that anti-discrimination law appears to be used and used as a weapon. So when the government comes out with its response to the Radic Freedom Review, no doubt people will be looking at what sort of things they'll be suggesting so far as anti-discrimination law. Will they be tightening and increasing and intensifying that or will they be making that to a lesser extent? I imagine that's where somehow or other we'll be able to make a judgment as to whether the government's well, actually achieving anything. There's two issues in here. What will the Radic expert panel recommend? And secondly, what will the government do? What will the parliament do, I should say? Not just that. That's the third thing. What will the, what will the, what will the report of the panel say? Two, what will the government decide to try and do? Three, what will the parliament actually achieve? Now, they're all separate. And um, the issue could fall at any point. And, but you're right, Neil, it's anti-discrimination law that's the most interesting. I believe in, in the, amongst those, was it 1,500, 15,600 submissions? What an amount. Um, there is uh, some saying we should cut back on present limitations, which allow religious organisations to act in ways which otherwise would be unlawful. In other words, remove the exemptions. 
Others are saying no particular exemption. So I'm hoping it will... Um, I suspect some may say they should add a religion as a, as a quality which should be protected from discrimination. That, I think, might happen. I'm more concerned with the situation where anti-discrimination law on, on certain issues overrides religious freedom. And the reason for that is Christian communities, like religious communities, like other communities, have to discriminate from one point of view to maintain their integrity as communities. They select people, employ people who hold their point of view and practice their practices. And if the state is too heavy-handed with anti-discrimination law, they'll make it very hard, they'll threaten the survival, actually, of religious institutions and communities. And that's, that's what's at stake here. And that's why you're saying that this is a test for the nation's maturity because uh, with what's happened with same-sex marriage, uh, you say it's sparked a heightened interest uh, yeah. in this issue of religious freedom. Now, that might actually be a positive thing if there is an outcome that, that enhances the freedom. Uh, of course, it's a negative thing if it goes the other way. I think what I mean by test of our maturity is um, it would be tragic for this country if this matter was politicised, if it depends upon who's in government where we stand. It must be bipartisan. There's no point having the present government passing certain things if the present opposition, which may well be the present government within a year, wants to change things. So it's going to need to be, in a real sense, a bipartisan. And bipartisan, I know it's definitely politically, but the various lobby groups, the the religious groups, on one hand, there are many uh, LTVGTIQ and other groups anxious about us, a way in which we can all say, this is a fair point, This 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 is a good line, we've all compromised a bit, this is where we can stand together and, put, and take the matter away from anxiety in the public. Now, you may think, Neil, I'm being very naive to propose such an outcome, but that's what I'm hoping will happen. That's why I mean it's a test of our maturity as a country, whether we can handle this in an adult way or end up adding more bickering and fighting and the whole issue becomes merely part of another round of the culture wars. It would be a tragedy for us. And Robert, no matter what happens, when we talk religious freedom protections, uh, they're not the things that are guaranteeing that religious leaders are being heard in the public debate. Uh, You suggest that these matters are outside of the reach of the law, and so really the onus comes back onto the church to actually be a bit more creative into how we actually fight our way into the public debate. Is that what you're suggesting? um, It'd be a very big mistake. Um, Firstly, the facts of the matter are, in the last 20 years, we've seen a massive shift of our society away from its, many of its Christian roots and the prominence of Christian churches in particular in public. Some of this is to do with a, with a massive culture change in Western society. Some to do with own goals by church organisations. Um, for example, the, same, the uh, child abuse issue has been a major blow to uh, the credibility of Christians in this country. And some lament that and think that uh, that's a reason for having an increase in protection for religious freedom. In the paper, I argue this is not the case. It's not up to the law in a, in a liberal society to give people a plat- public platform or the right to be heard or be free from criticism or even ridicule. That's, 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 that's what the community argues, not the law. I want the law to get out of running that, and we need to have that as ourselves. And if, Neil, Christians want to be heard or have their point of view, that's up to them to think creatively and actively, not wait for legal changes to protect them. And uh, as... That goes to everybody, not just to believers. Unbelievers too. I'm, I'm not asking, I don't want special places for others either. I want to be a society where the law is not 
running the game, but Christian, but human relationships are in, in the community, not the state. So if you were summarising the sorts of things you're arguing for, Robert, uh, this idea of the need for any legislation, uh, a federal act that will guarantee the religious freedom rather than trying to suppress the church, suppress religious organisations and church leader voices. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a different way of thinking about how people might be talking about a top-down or a bottom-up type approach. Well, it's, it's both in the sense that the role of the state is to provide a framework and there is a way forward by doing something which it looks a bit like enacting or using, taking as a guide the United Nations a Treaty on the um, Civil and Community um, CCPR. It's an, um, I think I forget what it stands for, but the, there's a key definition of religious freedom there, which is very important, IPCCR it's called. Um, not because I think Australia is gets religious freedom because from the UN. They don't give us our religious freedom. It, it exists already in the community. But something like this made federal law would mean that any state law that, um, that whose application overreached the mark would not be valid. It wouldn't take away the state's rights, but it would mean if they overreached the mark, that law be, would not be valid because in our situation, the Commonwealth, no state law is valid if the Commonwealth law overrides it. So this would provide a kind of a framework that would, Australia-wide framework on solid grounds, internationally recognised grounds, to provide a more solid ground for religious freedom in the country. It certainly demonstrates just how complex this issue will be and no doubt these delays on the government announcing its position are because there are so many things, so many dimensions to take care of. Uh, Robert Forsyth, always appreciate your insights. Uh, CIS, the Centre for Independent Studies Senior Fellow, former Anglican Bishop of South Sydney, the CIS website where you can see the article that Robert Forsyth has written is at cis.org.au. That's cis.org.au. That stands for the Centre for Independent Studies, cis.org.au. Robert Forsyth, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. A great pleasure, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.